0: I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org.
1: Chicago's got financial problems. Uh, One of the biggest is the unfunded pension liabilities that have accumulated over the years. Uh, Mayor Rahm Emanuel is doing his best to come up with a tax plan to uh, help alleviate the problem. Uh, But how did this city get into such a problem and how is it going to solve it? And what are other districts going to do? All these questions are on the table today, and fortunately, I have with me today Michael Podgorski from the University of Missouri, uh, leading expert on pension reform, especially in education. This is uh, Paul Peterson, uh, and I am delighted to have Mike with me. Mike, how did Chicago get into this mess? Well, I.
0: First of all, we should note there are other places that are in big messes, but Chicago's a bit of the poster child, but there are other close candidates for poster children on this. But, but the, um, Chicago is like uh, a number of other states. Chicago's unusual in that it it's running its own plan. It has a municipal plan, but California has a statewide teacher plan that's in deep trouble. The down state plan in Illinois is in trouble, New Jersey's in trouble, Louisiana's in trouble, other states are in trouble.
1: So this isn't just Chicago, this is a
0: US-wide... Pennsylvania is in deep trouble with their system. So yes, a number of states... So it's a
1: generic problem then, why is it, why didn't people see this coming about 20 years ago?
0: Well, there's there's a number of um, factors that, that that have caused this in Chicago and elsewhere, um, and it's a um, it's an illness that has a number of uh, triggering factors. and the And the mix of triggering factors differs from place to place, but but all of these are part of the uh, the, the, the what produces So, the what's illness. the number one, most important one, do you think? Um. Well, the, I guess the generic one is they made provinces they can't keep. But in, in Illinois and California, they didn't make all of their payments. So uh, I used to think that, um, you know, one of the old stories would say in economics is the federal government has to balance its budgets, but states and local governments uh, uh, do- doesn't have to borrow. Uh, excuse me, doesn't have to balance its budgets, but states and uh, uh, municipalities do. I realize if they that's don't wrong. do it, they go bankrupt, right? Well, See, well the they, state they, may they may go bankrupt, them. but what they can do is they borrow from their pension funds. And that's what many states did, particularly after the recession in 2008. They just didn't make the required contributions to their pension funds. So that's one factor. Second factor. These are all defined benefit systems, which means you're promising a given level of benefits in the future to your work. Uh, workforce. And the courts have treated these as really almost untouchable. If you could apply the private sector standard that would protect uh, benefits that have been accrued up till now, but then you could change the plan going forward, states and municipalities could get out of this pretty, uh, well, they could get out of it a lot easier. So part of it is the courts. The the courts courts are saying, yes,
1: you made a promise many years ago and yeah, this promise holds indefinitely. Yes,
0: it, it's, it's sometimes it's called day of hire. So if, if you're hired today, I can cut your salary. You know, Once your contract expires, I can cut your salary. I can lay you off. I can change your teaching load. I can change class size. But the thing I can't change is the pension guarantee that I promised you a day of hire. And in fact, not only day of hire, but any enhancement that occurred since the time I hired you. That's the, what the courts have basically said in most cases, particularly in Illinois. So that's the second thing. They can't, they can't cut these benefits. The third factor that's going on that's not as widely understood is that, you know, in a world of 4 or 5% inflation, well, let me back up. These, the, these plans are giving out benefits assuming an 8% return on average, on their uh, benefits. Well,
1: nobody gets an 8% return indefinitely. That's well, a they, violation of basic economic principles. Well,
0: 20 years ago, when inflation was running 5%, 6 7%, it wasn't that hard to hit 8%, right? You could just invest in government bonds and, and hit that almost. Now we're in a world of almost zero inflation. And so we're talking 8% real. <laughs> and that's a hard target. And so what's happened is... They're, you know, with the, with the meltdown in 2008, they're not hitting the target. So they've been giving out benefits, assuming they can hit 8%, and they're not hitting 8%. In response to that, many of them are taking on more risk, which puts
1: them in an even more precarious situation. Oh, what do they do when they take on more risk? Uh, f- uh, find some crazy investments that are generate a 20% return? Well,
0: uh, some of that, they may be doing that. It's not as transparent as it should be, but they've moved. It used to be in the old days of these pension funds, they invested in government securities, 100%. Then they started moving into stocks. Now they're moving into venture capital, private equity, hedge funds. And so one of my friends at the Fed jokingly says, dark matter. (laughs) So, you know, they're taking on more risk. So, so that's a factor as well. Then finally, during the the boom years of the ninety, when there was a stock market boom, almost every fund enhanced the benefits retroactively for for uh, teachers as well as. Many oh, so
1: people. when they started uh, running some pretty good returns on their investments, they said, "Oh, we can give away some more money to our employees well, and make them happier, and we can uh, make deals in the collective bargaining process that uh, will." make it easier to get the goal. Well, the prudent thing to do would... So the answer is yes.
0: And the prudent thing to do would have been to put that money away for a rainy day. But governments are not... State and local governments aren't predisposed to do that. And so the interest groups... Primarily the unions, teacher unions, came forward and when the plans would go even up to 90% or so funding or over 100% they would come in. And
1: and, and almost all of these plans enhance benefits. Well, one of the things about these defined benefit plans that has always annoyed me the most is the way they cheat the beginning teachers. That many teachers, if they only teach for five years, and lots of teachers only teach for five years, won't get any benefits at all. And so most of these benefits go to just uh, those who may decide to make it their career and stay in one state or one school district. Uh, Am I right in having that as a a complaint about these defined benefit plans? No, you're
0: you're absolutely right. These these plans um, are quite attractive if you work a full career and stay in the same plan, which for a typical teacher will be the same state. Uh, But they're designed to punish mobility, and they do that very effectively. So if you split a teaching career between two different plans, you'll be much worse off than a teacher who spends, say, 30 years in one plan versus 15 and 15. And then, of course, if you never... Some of these plans have 10-year vesting. So if you go from one state to another state to another state working nine years, nine years, nine years, you have no pension. So well, what percentage of teachers will leave the profession within five years? It's not as high as we used to think, but I think with the new longitudinal surveys, you know, at least thirty percent, and urban and in particular urban teachers much higher, charter school teachers much higher. So about a third, maybe, of yeah. the teachers will probably get nothing from their pensions. That's correct. They'll, they'll get their own contributions back, but they won't get any employer contributions. And they won't have a claim on any future pension. They'll just get their contributions back. In most cases with interest, but in the state of Illinois, not only will they... It's nine, in Illinois, new teachers contribute 9.4%. They won't even get interest on that. And in fact, the state of Illinois will dock them 1% a year. So they get a negative interest rate. So they won't even get
1: all their contributions back. So it's not even fair to the teachers. I mean, it's not fair to the taxpayer and it's not fair to the teachers. So who is the big beneficiary? Well, people who were born in the correct generation. So
0: uh, retired teachers who, who retired in the 90s, they received these enhancements. Um, you know, did very well. School administrators. So the, these systems are designed. Um, we we say they're backloaded. So if they, a core problem is your benefits aren't tied to your contributions. So if you make a lot of money at the back end of your career, the pension you collect is tied to what you're making. Well, oh, your final two, three years, or That's something correct. Like that. So if you move into the central office, you become an administrator, a principal. Uh, you're going to end up collecting a lot more than you contributed. Uh, well, your rate of return is going to be very high because you, you, you now have a higher salary at the end of your career. Well, how are we going to fix this? Well, I think there, there are a lot of things that can be done to fix it, but I think the core principle uh, has got to be to introduce a system at, where benefits are tied to contributions at the individual level and that will increase transparency. It'll be, it will be quite clear that this is the money that's put it, been put aside for your retirement. It could be like something like TIA-CREF where you can annuitize it at retirement age. You know, so you have $300,000 there. This gets you an annuity of this. You want to work five more years and make it $400,000, then you'll get Y. If we do that at the individual level, and, and uh, we have a system like that, then you can't get into trouble, okay? Then everyone's benefit will be tied to what was put aside for them. Now, there's a variety of ways to do that. You, you don't have to go over to just privatize the whole thing with an individual retirement account. You can have what are called cash balance plans that where ba- were basically the plan guarantees you a rate of return, a reasonable rate, 4%, 5%. If they do better than that, then you can get a bonus for that year But what happens is then the pension will smoothly accrues. Every year you get 4% and it just grows smoothly. If you leave after 5 or 10 years, you can either take the money out and get your full 4% or leave it in and let it grow at the guaranteed 4%. Now the pension plan makes the investment decisions so all of their expertise and their low administrative costs will stay. You won't have to make decisions about how to invest stocks. So that's
1: one option, a cash balance plan. Number of states have implemented these.
0: Uh, Nebraska. Well, why doesn't
1: that just be, why isn't that the general solution then? At least for all future teachers, this is the way to do it. You will still have this problem hanging over you, but you won't be seeing this problem grow and grow and grow as you move into the future.
0: Well, some states have done this. Kansas is putting all new teachers into a cash balance plan. Um, uh, mostly, this has happened outside for non-teachers. The, the teacher unions have resisted this more than other groups. They don't. They have generally have more clout in, in the kind of political bargaining process. But Nebraska, uh, a number of other states have implemented these for uh, different. So
1: why do the unions want the benefit well, plan rather than the than the 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 cash plan? Because the. Remember, it isn't
0: just, and I should emphasize, it isn't just the unions because the administrators benefit greatly as well. So, the groups that are long-term in the same plan benefit from these plans. So, the unions are largely representing the career teachers, the people that show up at meetings, the union officers are people with a lot of teaching years under their belt, typically. The administrators are are in the same plans and they benefit greatly from these as well. So, the groups there's the old joke in D.C., if you, if you um, aren't at the table, you're on the menu. Well, the group that's on, uh, not at the table are the teachers who haven't been hired. The, the young teachers who aren't tenured yet, they're, they're generally not at the table in these discussions. And they're the ones who, are, who would most benefit from the for reforms and least benefit from the current types of system. Now, there's another principle that I think that I, I want to make sure that we get to. And that is that we ought to be sweeping all new teachers into Social Security. Because another factor that's at work here is the states where the plans are in the biggest trouble are typically states where the teachers uh, aren't in Social Security. Illinois, California. Now, Social Security, going back to your young teacher, Social Security is a mobile benefit. You take it everywhere. Illinois teachers aren't in Social Security, so they have a double whammy. These new teachers being hired are getting terribly ripped off, is what they're called Tier 2 teachers. They're paying 9.4% for benefits that their own actuaries estimated only being worth 4 or 5%. They, they, they have 10-year 10 tenure, excuse me, a vesting, 10-year vesting, uh, so if they don't work 10 years, they don't get anything, and they're not in Social Security. So, so there's, it, to me, and this, by the way, there's bipartisan support for this, a number of commissions about this. We should sweep all state and local workers into Social Security. It would shore up Social Security. It would give them this minimum safety well, benefit. Well, what percentage of
1: teachers are not getting Social Security benefits?
0: Well, as teachers, they're not, uh, about a third. And it's the big states, California, uh, Illinois, Ohio, Missouri, Louisiana. So, there's a, there's a number of... it's mostly a statewide thing. Texas, most of Texas is out of Social Security. So, um, it, it, and it really, sh- you know, again, it's a mobile benefit for teachers. So, um, and then you, there's other fixes that will help bring together contributions and uh, benefits. There's hybrid plans that sort of shrink... what the federal government did in the 80s. They went from the old civil service plan to a tripartite plan that was a smaller defined benefit plan they all entered social security and then they have this what's called a thrift plan which is an
1: individual retirement account where so there are solutions out there but there are politics that makes it difficult to get to those solutions yes well you know there's um that's sort of what we face in education time and time again in many different domains Mike, this has been great having this conversation. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to uh, want to listen three times through to this podcast because okay. there's so many details in there that are, are so critical. Thank you for. Well, your they podcast. can read Education
0: Next and get
1: details. And Thank you. Some old articles.
0: <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform. Visit us online, educationnext.org.